I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. Today we're going to talk about exercise, why you should do it, but how to properly do it. Now, everybody gets nervous when we talk about exercise because people say, oh my gosh, exercise, I don't have time, I don't like doing it. I don't like exercising either. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a gym rat. I don't like going to the gym and hanging out and I don't have the time to do it anyway. So we're going to talk about things that you can do to keep the body healthy, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the classic exercise that you're thinking about. So it's not just classic, it's about movement, keeping the body in motion. We are designed to move. I'm gonna talk about what happens when the body moves. So this is not your typical exercise lecture. This is a lot more than that. It's neurophysiology and bi uh, biophysics and a lot of things that are gonna go into this to show you how to keep the body in motion without having to put on your leotards. But results from a study, this is interesting, shared in this uh, shared what we're talking about today. Demonstrate the importance of exercise and movement to your health. Again, movement and exercise can be interchangeable. Exercise may be one of the best preventive strategies we have for common ailments, including heart disease, diabetes. The more time you spend sitting, the shorter your life expectancy. It's just that simple. We make fun of people that are, who are uh, couch potatoes, for example. Well, there's a reason behind that. Not only is that lazy, but the body is not functioning normally. You have to get the body in motion. And that's the negative impact that it has on your cardiovascular and your metabolic functions. The World Health Organization lists inactivity as the cause of 3.2 million deaths each year. That's crazy. People not doing anything. Now, when I was a kid, you were always in motion. You, went, you had school, you had gym class. You always had gym class, I think it was every day. I walked to school, walked back, and I didn't realize it was exercise. It was just your life. After school, if you finished your homework, you went out, you came home when the, when the street lights came on, and then you, if you had homework, you probably did it at that time and went to bed. Now, we stay inside all the time. I had, had a friend of mine come by the other day. She works for a, a, another medical group that we refer back and forth with. And she came to me, she said, I've been to all the doctors, Joe. She goes, I hate to bother you, but I need to talk to you. I said, what's going on? And she said, I'm so sick. Um, I've been a gastroenterologist. I've got gastritis, which is a good general term, meaning your colon's inflamed. Um, she goes, they don't know what to do about it. They've given me some medication. It's making me feel worse. And she's a little bit of a thing anyway. She's lost 10 pounds. She goes, I can't work out. So I just feel miserable. And she looked very gaunt. And I said, okay, a couple of things. How's your digestion? Burping, gas, bloating. She goes, oh my gosh, every time I eat, my stomach hurts. I'm burping. And after I burp, I feel a little better. So I said, okay, so the stomach is pushed up against her diaphragm. We need to, I, I pulled her stomach down away from her diaphragm. And then I said, what about your blood work? I looked at her blood work and she was severely deficient in vitamin D. There was other things too. But because we're not outside, because we're not getting any exercise outside, we're also not getting as much sunlight as we need. Now, unless you're walking around with your shirt off in the summer, chances are you're not getting enough vitamin D. So one of the big deficiencies I see every single day in my practice is vitamin D. So if you, let's assume you're working out every day, you're at the gym an hour and you got this incredible build on you, it doesn't mean you're healthy because there's a chemical component that we have to add to this exercise. And later on, I'm gonna say you can't out-exercise your fork. 
What you eat is very important, but then you also need to supplement if you want to get optimum health. So just because you're exercising and working out does not mean you have optimum health. And just because you're not exercising, as long as you're in motion and keeping the body healthy, chances are you're going to be in good shape. But the reason I say that is when we're working out, where do we work out? Inside. So step number one, if you can, get outside to work out. It's going to be much better for you. Another study, researchers found that those who sat the longest were twice as likely to have diabetes or heart disease as compared to those who sat the least. Again, not exercising, sitting is what these studies are about. This combination takes a high cost on society. It contributes to billions of dollars every year in healthcare costs and lost productivity. According to researchers, lack of activity is also the cause of over 5 million deaths each year. Now, I've got to go off on a tangent here for a second. 5 million people die from inactivity. These people are going to die eventually, so those numbers are going to come up sooner or later. But this is directly correlated to people sitting around and shortening their lifespan. Put this in perspective. Smoking kills 7 million annually. Sitting around kills 5 million. Wow. So achieve optimum health, we need to include movement as much as possible throughout every day. In three other studies, researchers evaluated the effect of exercise on longevity. How long are you going to live? I think that's kind of how you win the game, isn't it? Who's ever around longest wins? They found that there was a direct correlation. The people that stayed in motion were going to live the longest. Now, in my a book that I wrote, one of the books I wrote, in fact, I just found a book, as a matter of fact. I wrote a book a long time ago. I, didn't, I forgot I even had it. We just found it. It's like the lost tapes of the Beatles. We have the lost books of Dr. Joe. And we're going to put that out on our website, actually, drjoe.com. And what we're thinking of doing is if you order, uh, place an order with us, we'll go ahead and send you the book as an e-book for free. But that's coming up. I've got to talk to Garrett, my producer, and see if we can get that happening. But in the book, Prescription for Extreme Health, I have a chapter called Secrets to Extreme Exercise. So... Why do you even need to exercise? Now, we think about muscles, we think about looking good, but let's talk about the physiology of what's going on with not, not only exercise, but movement. The heart pumps blood in the body, so we have to keep the muscle healthy. The muscle's a heart. The heart's a muscle. How do you do that? Diet and exercise. But you know you have two other circulatory systems in your body that you may not even know about? You think about your blood circulation, there's two others. And this is where exercise comes in. One is called the lymphatic system. Lymphatics filter out things like germs, bacteria, pathogens. It's the filter system. And exercise is what helps the lymphatic system pump and flush out all the toxins it breaks down in your body so that your immune system can fight off the bad guys. So you thought exercise was just for weight loss and muscle gain. Wrong. What's happening is you have the circulatory system and the heart pumps and it pumps blood through the circulatory system. But now the lymphatic system are these little filters that are all throughout your body. Now, if you've ever gotten sick and you had swollen glands, that's the lymphatic glands swelling up. Why? They're filtering out so much junk that they got essentially clogged up. Okay? Now, we don't have a heart to pump lymphatics. And you have a lot of lymphatics in your neck, in your, in your chest area, in your groin area. And this is why if you have a cancer, many times they'll remove the lymph glands because they don't want it spreading through the lymph system. But no one has ever told you how the lymphatic system or the lymph glands actually pump things through the system. It's muscle contractures. So every time you contract a muscle, you're squeezing the lymphatics and that's pumping the lymphatic fluid or the lymph fluid through your system. Now what is lymph fluid? You ever scratch yourself and you don't bleed but a little fluid comes out? That's lymphatic fluid. And it's just a filter system in the body 
And the only way you're going to get that moving is through contraction of the muscles. Now, if you can't move your body around, you can do massage. You can physically move it through the body. Um, some people have lymphedema. You might have heard of that word. Lymphedema is when swelling occurs many times in the legs, and they, you can put a pump on your leg. It's a long sleeve, and it's an air pump, and it contracts, and then it relaxes, and it pumps the lymphatic system for you that way if you can't get out and move. But movement is the key to the lymphatic system, and if the lymphatic system gets clogged up, you now can uh, run the risk of getting sicker because the body isn't flushing out those, those waste products. So just moving, you don't necessarily have to pump hard, just staying in motion is going to keep the lymphatic system moving. Pretty important. Now, there was a song way before some of your time um, by uh, uh, Jefferson Airplane and uh, Grace Slick. And a line from the song was Feed Your Head. The song was White Rabbit. And Feed Your Head was what Grace Slick was singing about. So when you exercise, you're also feeding your head, but not with drugs like Grace was talking about. That's another reason you need to keep the body in motion. Exercise stimulates something called the sacro-occipital pump. The what? The sacro-occipital pump. Your brain and your spinal cord, okay, now I'm gonna get into my chiropractic world here for just a second. Your brain and your spinal cord are encased in bone, right? You got your skull and your spine. Inside there, there's a sheath called a myelin sheath, and then there's something called cerebrospinal fluid. This is a key in healthcare that everybody is missing. The fluid nourishes the brain and the spinal cord, and it also acts as a cushion for both. It protects them. So this fluid relies on something called the sacro-occipital pump to get it where it needs to go. What the heck is the sacro-occipital pump that's so mysterious? And if you've got a good pumping, a good function of the sacro-occipital pump, your body's going to be a lot healthier and your brain is going to be a lot health healthier. It's a mechanical pump system comprised of your sacrum, which is your tailbone, right at the, the, the bottom end of the pump, right below your belt, and the occiput, which is the back part of your skull, that's the top part of the pump. Every time you inhale, the sacrum and the occiput essentially drop down, and every time you exhale, the sacrum and occiput rise up. This action pumps cerebrospinal fluid through your spine and your brain. I cannot stress enough the importance of a normally functioning sacro-occipital pump. And in fact, every time you walk, that's pumping as well and breathing. So when you walk and you breathe, you're pumping your cerebrospinal fluid. So if you exercise, you're probably moving more, you're breathing more, and that means you're pumping better the cerebrospinal fluid. And if you're sitting down all day, how many people do that all day? Most of you. That's, it's likely that you're depriving your brain and your spinal cord of the fresh infusion of proper nutrients that comes from cerebrospinal fluid. Wait a minute. This is insane, Dr. Joe. No one has ever talked about the cerebrospinal pump. Every we have, I'm a chiropractic office, if, you, if you're new to the show. Uh, I'm a chiropractor. I'm board certified in chiropractic, orthopedics, pain management, double board certified in nutrition, retired dietitian, award-winning author. And every table in all our offices, we have three offices right now in the Atlanta area, we have a table where you lay down and it pumps, it drops down on the bottom, and so it helps pump the cerebrospinal fluid. It mechanically pushes the cerebrospinal fluid up through your brain. So when people lay on the table in our offices, it, the table does several things. Number one is it opens up the vertebrae, and that can take pressure off the nerves. And when you open up the vertebrae, you create a vacuum, and that sucks fluid into your discs. Because as we get older, our discs start to dehydrate. And as the discs dehydrate, they start to shrink. 
That's why people shrink when they get older. The discs start to compress. So by putting people on this table, it opens up the vertebrae and pulls fluid into the discs. But it's also mechanically pumping the sacrum and the occiput to pump cerebrospinal fluid up to the brain. And one of the reasons patients love coming to our office is they'll say, Doc, I've been to so many other different doctors. Every time I leave your office, I get this, I feel good. My brain is working better. I'm happier. It's that pumping of cerebrospinal fluid. Then we add the chiropractic adjustments to it. And then we add nutrition to it. And now you have a health care plan. Most of you have a health insurance plan, but you don't have a health care plan. The healthcare plan in our office is normally functioning nervous system, normally functioning digestive system, good nutrition. Now you're thinking to yourself, all right, that's all well and good. Let's take it one step further. There's something called rocking horse therapy. Now this is a kind of equestrian therapy, which is often very effective for children who have certain learning um, and physical disabilities. Now what happens is the children are put on a horse and they're just led around with the child in the saddle. And as the children are riding, they're rocking back and forth. Now, some of the research shows equestrian therapy is actually helping children's brains function more efficiently. Now, I've read about equestrian therapy. Nowhere have I ever seen the mention of the sacro-occipital pump, but that's exactly what's happened. If you've been on a horse, what happens? You're rocking back and forth. You're pumping the cerebrospinal fluid. So one reason this happens is because the rocking motion mechanically manipulates the sacro-occipital pump so that more cerebrospinal fluid is moving through their spine and into their brain. Wow. So horseback riding is not only good for your muscles because you're holding on, you're using a lot of muscles, it also pumps the cerebrospinal fluid. Now horseback riding is dangerous too, you can get hurt. And as a chiropractor, we see a lot of horseback riding injuries. And I, I remember talking to somebody who teaches, they said, if you're gonna ride a horse, you're gonna get hurt. It's like playing sports. If you play a sport, you're gonna get hurt. If you work out, you're probably gonna get hurt. So we're talking about exercise today, but different reasons why it's important to exercise, aside from the flat stomach. Now there's another type of exercise that's very good and very quick. And people like this because it doesn't take as much time. It's called high intensity interval training. It used to be called peak eight. And the reason is you do this eight times and that's your whole workout. What it is, regular weight bearing exercise and flexibility training are vital to improve health and prevent disease. You don't have to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime to be in good shape. And in fact, a lot of people are in great physical shape, but they're not in chemical shape. They're not eating right. Or they have neurological issues. They have pinched nerves. And that's preventing the body from working. And one of the things, I'll probably say this again later on, because I say it a lot with, when I'm dealing with athletes, if you have an injury, I want to realign the bones, whether it's your knee, your foot, your ankle, your spine, your shoulder, any of the 206 bones in the body, because if you have bones out of place, you're building up strong muscles around crooked bones. I want you building up strong muscles around straight bones. Doesn't that make more sense? If you have a car and the tires are out of alignment, you don't want to keep driving the car. It wears out, it puts stress on the, on the engine, it puts stress on the tires, the tires wear out. You want to realign the tires and keep everything lined up perfectly. Your body's the same way. So maintaining good muscle tone and flexibility helps enhance your body's well-being. And if it's lined up properly, it can prevent arthritis, osteoporosis, host of other ailments. Now there's two types of arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease. The body is attacking itself. That's something we have to look at from a nutrition standpoint. There's supplements we can do, certain foods you want to avoid if you have an autoimmune disease. Certainly you want to avoid wheat and dairy. There's no question that if you have an autoimmune condition, wheat and dairy is totally out of your diet. That's it, done. Because they have proteins in there 
that the immune system will start attacking. And when they attack these foreign proteins, many times the, the immune system isn't quite sophisticated enough to differentiate, say, gluten found in wheat and the lining of your colon. The, pro, the, the, the molecules look almost exactly the same. So now the immune system can start attacking the colon. And you can have irritable bowel syndrome. You can have colitis. And so that's an inflammatory reaction to the body. And what's happening is um, the, the body's just attacking itself. So we gotta take those foods out of the body so the immune system can calm down. Osteoarthritis is more mechanical. It's kind of autoimmune too. But if bones are out of alignment and you're walking, working out, sitting, or just being alive, the bones are rubbing up against themselves. That causes an inflammatory reaction. That inflammation causes the body to produce white blood cells. So now the body is attacking the inflammatory reaction caused by this misalignment. And then what happens is those white blood cells are not what we call site-specific. So they go all over the body and they can attack every joint in the body. And that's why when people say, well, Dr. Joe, I have arthritis, look at my fingers. Many times that's a secondary site of arthritis. The primary site might be a neck injury. Let's assume you're in a car accident. You have your seatbelt on, your body is protected, but your head snaps back and forth. If you've ever been in a car accident, if the car was damaged, you were damaged. You need to get that fixed right away. That's why we see so many car accidents in our offices. So if you have a car accident, if the car was damaged, you were damaged, you need to get to see us. But if the bones are out of alignment, this inflammatory reaction occurs, the white blood cells start attacking the weakest, most freely movable joints, which are the fingers. So the fingers are not your primary site of arthritis, it's a secondary site. So when you come in our offices, we gotta find out where the primary site is, fix that, fix the cause of the problem, not just treat the symptoms. So exercise is important, but I don't want you building up strong muscles around crooked bones because that can cause more inflammation. So when you get into an exercise habit, you need to find something that you enjoy. Personally, I'm an outdoorsy guy. I like to hike, I like to climb, I like to rollerblade, I like to uh, 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 water sports, I really enjoy water sports, but that's me. You've gotta find out what works best for you. Now there's plenty of resources out there. There's personal trainers, there's books, there's gyms, there's uh, the, the internet. But I'd like to make a few recommendations to maybe kind of get you started here. First is something called high intensity interval training. We talked about that. Bodybuilders use this technique and it's now being brought back because it's working so well for average folks like you and me. This training puts a lot of stress on your body for a very short period of time, which is followed by an interval of rest. So here's an example of high intensity interval workout. Warm up for about two to three minutes, whatever you're gonna do. Let's assume you're running, let's assume you're biking, let's assume you're on a treadmill, let's assume you're on an elliptical, whatever it is. Two or three minutes kind of warm up. Then I want you to go as hard as you can for whatever you're doing, whatever that exercise is. You can even do it with weights, 20 to 30 seconds. Slow down your pace, but don't stop for 90 seconds. Repeat the cycle, the fast cycle again, and then repeat the slow cycle again eight times. So it's easy to perform this kind of cycle on an elliptical machine, like we said, you can do it on a bike, you can do it outside, you can do it running. Anything you do, just do it real fast for 20 seconds, slow down for 90 seconds. Real fast for 20 seconds, slow down for 90 seconds. Heck, you can clean the house and do it if you wanted to. But I won't recommend trying this on a treadmill. And the reason is you might not be able to change speed so quickly. I've tried this on a treadmill, it's a little scary sometimes, so that may not be your best bet. Also, if you're short on workout time, you can cut the rest time to 10 seconds and do eight sets done in four or five minutes. So you do 20 seconds fast, 10 seconds of rest, 20 seconds fast, 10 seconds of rest, you're done in a few minutes. 
the best thing about high intensity interval training is you're completely done, maximum 20 minutes. And you only have to do it twice a week. That's the cool part about this. So if you can dig up 20 minutes twice a week to do this, you're in great shape. Now, the more often you, uh, you put stress on the body, um, that can be good, but there is a limit to that. We're going to talk about over-exercise a little bit later. Now, I've shared this technique with many of my friends from the Weekend Warriors, professional athletes, all who have tried it and been amazed with the results, myself included. Some of, the, some of these people are professional exercisers, for lack of a better term, I don't know what to call them, but they say, they say um, they're losing weight now, they're feeling better using this type of workout. So I, I used to know a gal, and she was a runner, and she's very pretty, and she was in great shape, and she started running so much. Like I'd say to her, I said, what'd you do late yesterday? Oh, I ran 20 miles. Like, you just ran 20 miles on a Tuesday? Yeah, and then I did yoga. Whoa, hang on there, cowgirl. And what happened was she started to get paunchy. She wasn't cut lean. She started to get a little fat because the body now is under stress, too much stress. And when the body's under stress, it goes into survival mode. So what that means is it starts storing fat because it doesn't know when this stress is going to end. And she kept working out harder, and that actually worked against her. And then a few years later, I saw her, and she looked terrible. She was all wrinkly and gaunt, and her skin was saggy. Because when you exercise, you produce something called free radicals. Now, free radicals, if you've listened to my shows before, like Pac-Man, they attack things. Waka, 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 waka. And so they're attacking her connective tissue in her body and eating away at the connective tissue so the skin became saggy. So in a case like hers, and I've seen it many times, you over-exercise. So if you've worked out, and this, this has worked for you, this high interval training has worked, uh, some of them, even long-distance runners, really like this better, uh, which has actually been proven, um, we talked about uh, long-distance running, be very stressful. Speed up the aging process. It increases the risk of certain health problems. HGH boosting, okay, uh, human growth hormone. High, interval, inter high, high intense interval training also boosts the level of something called human growth hormone in the body. Human growth hormone is produced by the pituitary glands and is naturally occurring substance in the body. It happens in all of us. Whenever you put something synthetic in the body, it's not going to be as good as the stuff you make yourself. So some people say, well, Dr. Joe, why don't I just take human growth hormone? It's not as good as your own. And then there's something called a negative feedback, where your body says, oh, I've got plenty of HGH testosterone, estrogen. I don't have to make any more. And so now you shut down your own production. So that's when it becomes scary. So don't think I'm just going to take HGH and get the results. Now, everybody produces their own special formula of hormones. So my hormone is going to be slightly different than the hormones of the guy next to me. So if you're trying to boost your hormones, you want the best you can, uh, you can do to get your hormones boosted, not outside stuff. So the stuff you produce yourself is going to be the best. High-intensity interval training is one of the few workouts that actually increases human growth hormone levels. And you want to get the HGH levels up and let your body maintain it for a few hours. So here's the trick. If you eat sugar after a workout, any workout, including high-intensity interval training, you're going to slow down your production of human growth hormone. So no sugar for at least two or three hours after especially this type of workout, but any workout. Now, proteins and fats are going to be fine. A salad with extra uh, raw organic apple cider vinegar, that can help get your energy levels back up. A lot of athletes take something called Dr. Joe's Super Greens and Dr. Joe's Essential Source. There are two supplements are on the website, drjoe.com, drjoe.com, and it's the minimum supplements you should be taking every day. Everyone should be taking them. And there's some things in there we talk about if you're on cer certain medications, how to work around that. But that's the minimum supplements you should be taking every day. And if you're working out, you want to re regenerate yourself, revitalize yourself, the super greens, the essential source are spectacular. 
because they're very low in sugar, loaded with nutrients. So I take super greens and essential source every morning, first thing when I wake up. That's the minimum supplements. And if you're not taking them, I think you should. So go to the website, drjoe.com, and you can get that. You can get the information on super greens and essential source there. Folks, I'm Dr. Joe Esposito. The website again, drjoe.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on wsbradio.com and on the WSB Radio app.